And we're coming into our 20th year as a church. How about that, someone? Come on. 2019 will be 20 years old. No longer a teenager. And the Holy Spirit had already been downloading some key things in my spirit for what's next for Bethel. Celebrating where we've been, but also celebrating what's next. And giving me language for it and other things. And then... When, when Brother Bill was here, who really sees himself as a pastor and apostle in the business arena where he pastors his offices, his staff, his teams, even his clients. And I just see all of that coming into one. And God has just been really stirring in me that so many times we try to separate the anointing and the, the character, the integrity of the Holy Spirit from the business arena, from the educational arena, from all these different arenas, when God didn't give you two lives. He didn't give you one life at work and one life here, right? It's one life, one God, right? And, and so the Holy Spirit began to deal with me. And, and, and here's, here's what he told me. He said, I want you to take the next several weeks, you and Pastor Stephan, just break down what Brother Bill began to unload. If you haven't heard it, you can get on our podcast, Bethel Harvest. Download those two podcasts, or two hours each, I think. And you will get an education on how to walk in the favor and the blessing of God. I just encourage you to do that. Um, so here's what God told me for the next several weeks to preach to you. And it's very simple. I'm going to give you keys to pick up your dreams again. Keys to pick up your dreams again. You see, when we begin to understand the keys of the kingdom of God, and the key that we're going to give you is the most important key of all, the revelation of understanding who you are in Christ and who he is in you and where your position is in him. But when we begin to understand these kings, you know, it makes the difference between life or death. It makes the difference between a marriage making it or not making it. It makes a difference between you making it in business, in your career, in your job. It makes a difference in whether it's relationships, whether it's church or ministry. Whatever it is that you have a desire to pursue, whatever it is you have a dream to accomplish or multiple dreams, it all comes back to these simple keys that I'm gonna to begin to share with you over the next few weeks. So what I see in the body of Christ is just a lot of frustration of a lot of prayers that don't seem to be getting answered. A lot of frustration. You know, we pray, we believe that's gonna happen in an hour, then we say, well, it must be gonna happen in a day or a month or six months or a year or two years, and and what happens is we just kind of build this attitude up after a while, since it didn't happen, we kind of give in to a spirit of failure, and we just kind of give in to a spirit of mediocrity, and well, if God's going to do it, I guess he'll do it. If he could do it, I guess he could do it. He will someday for me. So too often, we let go of our dreams because we run into obstacles. And what I want you to realize today, this morning, church, is obstacles are proof that you're in pursuit of your dream. Uh, If you don't get anything else, you need to write that down. Obstacles, when you face obstacles, they are proof that you are in pursuit of your dream. I mean, what if the children of Israel took that approach? The first generation did when God was leading them to the promised land, and They faced some giants, and they backed down. And what was supposed to just be about a four-week trip ended up being a 40-year trip. And they had all kinds of battles and fights, but they were battles and fights because they were running away from God, not running toward God. 
And God allowed that entire generation to die off before he allowed two to go in and take the promised land, Joshua and Caleb, mainly Joshua at that time. And they were two of the 12 spies that said, we can take the giants, we can take the land. But think about it, when they crossed the Jordan, it's pretty amazing if you go back and study it, when they crossed the Jordan, it was harvest time. So at harvest time, uh, not harvest time, it was springtime. So in the springtime, when it was planting season, man, they would get huge waters and a lot of rain. They get a lot of rain in Israel. And so the Jordan was three or four times its normal size. And that's when God said, go across. And when they went across, guess what was the first thing they saw was Jericho. And Jericho didn't have a little picket fence up or a metal fence, but Jericho had this huge wall that looked like a mountain. And I've been to Israel Four times, maybe five, I can't remember. I always loved going to the Jericho Wall, and they dug that site out. And what the archaeologists have come to realize, the wall didn't fall down into crumbles. The wall actually sunk into the earth. It was like letting down a draw gate. It was like something, you just hit a button, and you got a stand that holds a television up, and all of a sudden you hit a button, and it goes zzzz. Those walls, when they marched around, God said march around seven times, you know, they could have felt tired in five and quit and the walls would have come down. Or six, which is the number of man, stopped in their own strength and the walls wouldn't have come down. But they did what God said, the number seven, the seventh time, which in biblical terms is the number of completion or perfection. You see, they had to complete the task of trusting and obeying God's voice and operating by the revelation, the word, the key he gave them specifically for that specific obstacle, for that specific situation. And when they did on the seventh time, the walls came down. They didn't just come down. They were driven down into the earth. I don't care how many giants are there. If they see a wall that's 80 feet tall and you know, 20 feet wide, kind of like the wall of China or something, just sink in the, you imagine how the earth must have quaked, this huge wall, and they had guards on it, guard houses, they had places of businesses, remember that's where Rahab, the prostitute, that's where she was, her house was on the top of the wall, you imagine all these houses going down into the ground. And see, what they didn't realize, Joshua and Caleb realized it, but when they'd sent spies over again, but Rahab told them, it says, they've heard all the great exploits of what your God's done for them. They, they've heard of how, what you all did to Pharaoh. They heard what you all brought out of Egypt. I mean, your God is a mighty God. He opened the Red Sea and over a million Egyptian soldiers were drowned. We heard that you all don't even have to plant crops or anything. God just opens up the heaven and gives you manna and opens up the heaven and gives you pheasants and so on. My goodness, your God is an amazing God. Now, now what the enemy didn't know was what God didn't allow them to see. All that stuff happened 40 years prior. But even in their hidden time, in their dark time, in their time of God's not going to come through, in their time of we're not going to make it, 40 years of failure and death. See, sometimes you go through obstacles and things have to die in your life, not because they have to die in your life. They have to die in your life because you're not using the keys God gave you to open the door to what you need. Now, people scattered, some stayed and fought, but it wasn't that tough of a battle. Didn't even talk about giants. They must have ran. 
but what if their 40 years of wandering out of God's plan for their life, walking through weighty, heavy matters that they should have never been in the middle of, you ever got in a situation and you wish you'd never got in it? You, you ever said something and you're like, if I could take that back a million times, I'd take that back and say, please, thank you, whatever. I, if, I, if I'd never met that person, my mama told me I should have stayed away from them. Or I, what, man, if I'd never got in with that group, this wouldn't have happened to me. And we can just look at it time and time and time again. And, and what is that? That's not an obstacle. That's something you just walking out of God's plan for your life. Destiny in the Hebrew, derek, means uh, destination. When you're talking about God's destiny for your life, it's a destination that you're supposed to attain. Now, now think about that. If, if they had heard about how weak and full of doubt and unbelief and a mess, but see, the key was they were still God's kids. You may have been wondering for four days, 40 days, 40 months, 40 years, but if you are born again and blood-bought, you're still God's kids. So when they came, they came, and all of a sudden the gates and the wall of Jericho began to sink into the ground. And they took the promised land. They began to take it, not just there, but other places. Now, there's a significance to that because the most significant revelation you're ever going to receive is how to operate effectively in the kingdom of God, which comes by knowing your identity and position in God. Now, too often, we're used to ordinary. It's, it's, it, but what I want you to realize is it's time to move out of ordinary and even beyond extraordinary. It's time to move into your dream. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to pick your dream up. Look on the other side and tell them, it's time to pick your dream up. I, I tell you what, I, I've been going through this season in my life for at least the last year. And now God revealed why. I kept saying, well, God, why are you taking me back? I don't even want to think about that anymore. And he just had me, because I'm a firm believer, you don't dwell on the past unless you're going to go back, learn something real quick. And if you can't learn it in about an hour, get out of it. Sometimes a couple minutes, get out of there. Good or bad. And he's just been taking me back into situations and stuff and ministry and all that stuff, and business and the church. And, 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 and then he'd bring me out of it. And I'd be like, ooh, man, I don't want to go back into that. Come on, Lord. But what he wanted to do is get me ready for what's next. And a lot of times the way you learn is to learn that when the stove, the, 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 the kittle is boiling on the stove, don't touch it, dummy. <laughs> and I can look at a lot of the situations where I felt incomplete or didn't complete or failed in. I knew it had nothing to do with God. It had everything to do with me and my decisions. You see, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not changing. God has already finished the work. It's up to you and I now to access our keys and complete the work, the assignment that God has given us. And as I look back, God just began to reveal to me and all of a sudden it just began to stir up in me this last several months and it's time to take back not only what we have, but to take what God said we have. And it's time to move in. And I believe that if you will lock in here with me through the next several weeks, I'm going to take you through some things that's going to give you the keys. Uh, Pastor Bill mentioned them. Pastor Steph mentioned some. But I'm going to take you deep into them over this next month. But I'm going to relay a little bit of the foundation. And when I do, I promise you, there's going to be things in your life that you forgot you even dreamt about. 
Man, what if you could just go back and not get just the, the seed that had not sown and you could go back and grab it and re-sow it? But how many seeds have you sown that you can't even remember you sowed? There's dreams you put down so long you forgot you even dreamt them. And in that situation, you're usually afraid to dream any longer. Remember when you were 16 and you knew everything and 18 you knew everything and 25 you knew most things and 30 you knew some. By 40 you didn't know anything. You know how that kind of goes in life. What if you could go back to that and have your youth again? What if you could go back and have your passion like that when you first came to Christ, right? When you first found out about the spirit and the presence of God, when you first found out that he loves you, he loves you first. You don't even have to try to love him. You can't help but love him because he loves you first. When you go back into that, you get into that. There isn't any dream you cannot pick up. If God gave you a dream, why would he give you a dream you couldn't fulfill? He'd be a cruel father if he said, this is what I want you to do, but, but you haven't been able to do it, and it's because God did something to delay it or hold it back. No, see, we got to come to the realization, and we got to set our expectations on big things. Some of us don't put our thing on small things, let alone big things. And expectation is what? The breeding ground of miracles. If you don't have an expectation in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit, how are you going to access the keys it takes to unlock your miracle? Without expectation, you don't even have hope. Without expectation, you can't step into the promise that God has given you. The battle is yours, but you got to see it and believe it. And access it. And we're going to talk about that. So let's go back. I know Pastor Seth probably hit Matthew 16 a little bit. I'm going to hit it one more time because it's such a foundational truth you got to get. Just verse 1. Well, Matthew 16, not verse 1. I forget where it is. Verse 16 or something. You'll know it. Upon God, but Jesus said this to Peter. He said, upon this rock I will build my church. What? And the gates of hell. I think it's 16, 18. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He said, upon this rock I will build my church and the, what the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He said, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Think about it when Daniel was in prayer, remember, and fasting. That's where we get the Daniel fast from, from 21 days. He's asking God, why don't I have an answer? Why don't you always answer me? And all of a sudden, Archangel Michael came, the warrior, and he said, hey, I've been fighting up there for 21 days to get that through to you. It's coming, so hang on, little Daniel. Didn't say it just like that, but he said, you got it, and he had it. But what did it teach us? Just because you don't see it happen in an hour, a day, a week, or a month doesn't mean there's not spiritual warfare going on in the heavenlies. But now we should have even a greater revelation than Daniel. Because we have all the things Daniel taught, all the things John the Baptist taught, Peter, Paul taught. We got it all, everything Jesus taught. We got all this, what, revelation. What is revelation? It means revealed or uncovered. Uncovering something that's hidden. 
So what happens is whenever you begin to operate in revelation, it's an uncovering of something hidden. When you uncover the, when you have the revelation of the truth, know the truth and the truth of what sets you free, the truth of God, and Jesus said, I am the truth and the life. When you know him and you know him intimately, what happens and you get a revelation from him, what's it do? It uncovers things you couldn't see otherwise without relationship. I mean, you know, I've said this over the years. It's kind of cute. Pastor Rod used to say it. You know, we, we, we don't ask, you know, where we get white milk out of a brown cow, living in a red barn, eating green grass, but we drink it, right? Well, it's kind of like that about salvation. I mean, when you think about God came and put the Holy Spirit in, you know, the angel visited Mary as she conceived, a little young teenage virgin conceived with baby Jesus. And then on the other side of the lineage, it came up through King David when all of that came up through there. And, and, and this little teenage virgin gives birth to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and he's a little carpenter boy and living in Nazareth. And then what's he do? He does all these great miracles, opens blind eyes, does this and that. You would think he'd be a king, but instead he was killed, he was crucified. And then we believe that he was killed on what Friday and then on the third day he rose from the dead that he went to hell and took back the keys of life and death from the little God, Satan, right? And he took back the keys of life and death. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. He released the paracletos, the Holy Spirit, to come down among us. But even before he released the Holy Spirit to come down among us, after he rose from the dead and went up and, and, and put his blood in, in the throne room, and then he comes back down. And the Bible says in Acts 1 teaches us he came back and preached after he was dead and risen for 40 days and nights around the area of Jerusalem. And then we go, wow, that would be awesome. And then he gave him the promise. Go wait on the promise, right? You'll feel, be filled with the power of God, the Holy Spirit, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And then he began to float up in the air. And the disciples, it says there's about 500 of them as Jesus is floating up in the air. They're like, where are you going now? What's up now? And Jesus Christ had the first church split. Only 120 stayed after 500 saw all of this. They still split off from Jesus. And then they went in this upper room and tongues of fire came in and the Spirit of God, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. I mean, you think about the crazy thing. You gotta believe that Jesus came, lived, died, rose, and went to heaven and believe that we receive grace through faith in Jesus. That's our Lord. We believe all of that and we just accept it. And we know it's true because it was confirmed. We accepted it and confessed it. What happened? We were saved. And we felt the Spirit of God in us, and we knew we were what? 1 Corinthians 5, 17, a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away. Well, all things become new. We feel different. Man, we know it's different. We're born again. We got Jesus. We got the Holy Spirit, I mean, living inside us. Man, that's pretty crazy. And then you tongue talkers, you're really wild. You're really crazy. It's kind of funny to me. People go, well, I don't know, those tongues kind of freaked me out at that church. I said, well, you believed in this dead dude that rose from the dead on three days and somehow his blood atones you of your sin and you can't believe in a prayer language? <laughs> well, it's kind of spooky. Well, you're spooky to your other friends. You might as well just get all spooky together. I mean, if you're gonna be spooky, just be freaky spooky. 
See, be freaky spooky. Be crazy enough. What if you were crazy enough that everything happened that you believed could happen? I didn't say what your neighbor said, your preacher. Your, I said, oh, what is it? Oh, all things are possible to them that believe. I think Jesus said that. What about John 14? What are you going to do? Jesus said, you'll not only do the works that I've done, but what even? What kind of works are you doing then? So, so, so see, if Jesus, did you see what Jesus did? He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He opened blind eyes. But, but you suffer a little bit and you think you're out of God's will. I mean, Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. What if he quit right there? Well, Lord, you know, I just believe in this prosperity. I should never suffer or have pain. You know, I am the son of God and I've laid everything down for you, but why should I go be imprisoned and falsely accused and my reputation tarnished? He knew he's going to get more than a tarnished reputation. He knew he's going to be falsely accused, abused, and crucified. But was he in God's will? Was it worth it? Easy for you to say you weren't Jesus, right? You can say, yeah, Jesus, good job. I mean, Paul wrote two-thirds by the Holy Spirit of the New Testament. The great revelator, just a great man of God. Be cool to be Paul. Except for those shipwrecks, those beatings, those imprisonments, and then that thing about at the end, you know, how he was killed for the cause of Christ. But what about Peter, the loud mouth? I mean, his shadow healed the sick. That's pretty cool. You walk up, people waiting outside your house. Hey, uh, hey, Peter, hey, oh, there went cancer right there. Ooh, leukemia, gone. I mean, it'd be pretty cool being Peter, wouldn't it? You'd look at, you'd look at one of those religious leaders, they'd be like, ooh, I didn't see you, Peter. I didn't look at you. I didn't see you. I just saw that guy over there. He's dead on a stretcher and wrote, I ain't messing with Peter. But then at the end of his life, what happened to Peter? He wasn't just crucified, but he was crucified upside down because he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my master. Turn me upside down and crucify me, boys. But was he in God's will? So, 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 so let me clear this off and ask you. So is really whatever you have not seen manifested in your life that big a deal? I mean, really, is it that big a deal? Well, yeah, it wasn't your cousin that passed away. Well, pastor, it wasn't you that lost your spouse. It was No, it wasn't, but I'm just asking you. Did the enemy convince you you're not in God's plan for your life? Maybe the person you were married to missed God's plan, but you stayed in it, right? So, so, so what you got to realize is, guys, is, is what we're going through isn't that big a deal because if you're a child of God, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So if you die of some terrible disease, and we need to have faith not to do that, but if it happens, guess what? We win anyway because we beat everybody else to heaven. So the mindset we have is warped. It's not a mindset from another kingdom. It's not a mindset from another world. So when we begin to understand this, that's why this becomes the most significant revelation that you can have. Now, uh, hmm. 
you know, we did a little thing with Bill and I did it at Pastor Rich's too when I was there and it's great. And we said, hey, write down these four names, write down Abraham, Daniel, King David, and John the Baptist and put them in the sequence of which you feel is the most important. Anybody do that when you were here? So if you weren't here a couple weeks ago, that's what we did. So where, who would you think, if you weren't here, write it down, who would you think are the four in the sequence order, those four great men would be the greatest? And once you do that, write your name down. Ooh, pretty good to make top five, right? Write your name down. And ask, where do you fit in there? Well, we got scripture on it in Matthew chapter 10, verses 11 and 12, when John the Baptist sent his disciples, he was getting ready to be beheaded. And um, he is already imprisoned and getting ready to be beheaded. And Jesus is out doing all these works. He'd already announced Jesus, baptized him, and Heaven's open. God said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And, and, and the dove came down in the form of the Holy Spirit, rested on his shoulder. And oh, by the way, Jesus went straight into a 40-day fast in the wilderness fighting the devil. And it wasn't like a chapter break where he had a few months. He was right in, out of the water, into the wilderness. But, but John the Baptist saw this. So he wasn't afraid of dying, but over time, obstacles and pressure and attacks and warfare. He got wore down and he just wanted to make sure he was the son of God. Now, he, was a, he wasn't around him enough to experience it himself. You see, you could be so close to God and doing great things and then some obstacles hit you and you're not as consistent to come to the church. You're not as consistent to read the word. You're not as consistent to hear preaching. You're not as consistent to serve. And before long, you're kind of like John the Baptist. You saw the spirit of God and had him in you and saw the heavens open up and God saying he's well pleased with me. But now you're so far away from God, you're kind of wondering how real is that stuff anyway? Because you're so far from the presence and your identity. So John sent some of his disciples to ask Jesus. And here's what Jesus said. He said, surely I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. So that answered the question, first question, right? He considered John the Baptist the greater of all those four men, the greatest. But, now you see these butts are more than nuts, butts, nuts, and all that stuff, whatever it is. When you get to heaven, when you get to heaven and everybody's saying, well, what do you want, brother? What's your testimony? I just want the Lord to say, come on in, Dalton, my faithful servant. You, I, you have done a job. Well done. Well, we, you know, to get that, that's a pretty big standard because when you think about it, where you rank, because here's where Jesus says you rank even concerning John the Baptist, but he who is least and the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. He who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. He who is least that comes to Christ, the least of you is greater than Abraham, David, Solomon, Daniel, John the Baptist, the least of us. Greater than he that is in heaven. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. So when you begin to understand your positioning in God, then you can attack your obstacles. You can attack your Jericho differently with a different mindset. Well, what, what does that mean? 
What does that mean? Well, go with me to Revelation. We'll hit this with you again. Revelation 1, verses 5 and 6. Because I want you to begin to see yourself as God sees you. So if you're the least of us in our faith, our experience, and all that that are born again are greater than John the Baptist. Wow. Then in Revelation 1, here's what it says, verses 5 and 6. It says, and from Jesus Christ, so this, where did this come from? From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn among the dead. Now, he's the firstborn among the dead, and then there was a secondborn, a thirdborn, a fourthborn, a thousandth, a ten thousandth, a millionth. So somewhere you're born in the family. Now, it doesn't matter if you're the first or the thousandth, you're still a son or a daughter, right? You're in the family. But the least of those is greater than John the Baptist and all those other men. It says, and the ruler, look at it, it says, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the things of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Anybody been washed from your sins? You've been born again. Anybody, anybody been born again in this church? Okay. And that's a conjunction, means also, has made us. Didn't say, we'll make you someday when you get spiritual enough. Didn't say, you could be if you, no. Didn't say, some will. Said, anyone who's born again by the blood of Jesus and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever. So the least of us that are born again and are blood-bought are kings and priests. The word king uh, comes from the word, uh, so, so kingdom, the word kingdom means a place. Are you a kitty or a tiger? Do you realize that when you are blood-bought, you're a king, you're a queen? And that means Wherever you're at in your place, you should dominate. That means have dominion. Well, I just don't know. My house is a mess. Well, then it's not God's fault. He gave you the keys. My kids are crazy. That's not God's fault. My dog's ugly. That's not dog's fault. What, what are you saying, preacher? I'm asking you, where do you dominate? Well, I just get along with everybody. God didn't ask you to get along. God commanded you to dominate. Place, what is that? That could be a place, a mindset that you have. So in your mind, are you wavering as a man, as a ship that waves on a sea? That man, the book of James says, will get nothing. Are you wavering back and forth on your faith? Are you wavering back and forth on important relationships, commitments? Where are you? Are you wavering? That means that person is unstable in what? All their ways, their direction. Are you dominating in your thinking? In other words, do you have authority over your thinking? See, wherever your focus goes, your energy flows. 
If you, your, your focus goes on the negative, you'll have negative thoughts and actions and all that. If, if you focus on the positive, you'll be a positive person and you'll be an upbeat person. So, so wherever your, your focus goes, your energy flows. If you're focused on what didn't happen, the doubt and unbelief, you'll be the Debbie Doubter or the Don Downer, whoever. You, you, you won't be it, right? But if you will focus on what God has done and will do, then you'll be a person of faith. So are you dominating in your spiritual place? Are you, well, I just, well, I was the preacher. Just know I'm the next prophetess or prophet. I'm, I'm the next, well, he should have me. I should be up there speaking, taking those offerings. I've never got to testify yet. I, you got to know your place. Because the Bible says your gift makes room for you, not your entitlement. I mean, how long you've been in church. See, I love what Bill said, and I'm like, dude, that's like one of those V8 moments. I'm like, that's so true. In Acts, when it said, and he added to the church daily. See, I think I know there's such a spirit of entitlement on the body of Christ, spirit-filled, non-spirit-filled churches, in-between filled, whatever, that the reason I go to a church is what does it add to me? You know, does it have a good children's ministry? Is the sound good? Is the preaching good? Is the music good? Are people nice to me? Well, are you nice to anybody else? I mean, maybe they'll be nice to you. But whatever it is. So, so, so we go to churches shopping like we do, which grocery store we're going to get the best deal. But the Bible doesn't say you go to church to get added to you. I just never found my church. Well, it's not your church. It's his church. We're the church. You go to the church where he added you. So you're not, when you are looking around at churches, you're looking around for a church where your spirit locks in and you have a connection there. Not, well, I have a connection because I could get to lead this or do that or I have a connection because the word's perfect for me every week and the first week it's not. You got to go get another connection. Well, you, you're not added to anything. See, you can't walk in the favor and blessing of God till you know where you're to be added at. Amen. And if he adds you, the responsibility is on him to bless you. If he adds you, that means there's a reason you're there, even though there's obstacles, maybe he brought you to help solve those problems. There, we, we, we've had sound technicians come and come to the church a few months and da, 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 da. Well, you know, why are you not coming anymore? Well, you know, that sound, they just don't know what they're doing back there. Well, you want to help? Well, brother, I do that for a living. I don't have time. Well, come on, man. Who in the heck are you? Yeah, you're not added to Bethel. Go somewhere else. I want people that, anybody can be a guest one time. One time, you come twice, you ain't no guest no more. See, if I will go where God adds me, that means he's got hidden things there for me. There'll be some obstacles. If there wouldn't, I wouldn't be in God's will. But there just seems like there's always problems at that church. Maybe you're the problem. But anyway, so, so there's always problems at that there church. Well, maybe if you looked at it as it's not that church, but it's where I'm added. You see, 
If we don't lock in to the place we are added to by God, that means there's a void in that place. So anytime you look at an insufficiency in Bethel, just realize it's not because God doesn't want to fix it. It's just because people have disobeyed and left a void. Now, do you think they're going to go to the place they choose and get what God really had for them? Do you? Do you? If you think they are, you're a novice. But God's grace is sufficient. Yeah, his grace is sufficient to get you through, but you're not going to have the best that God has for you unless you are walking out what God asks you to do. You know, you can have plan D, E, or F if you want. I want plan A. Because wherever I'm added, there'll be good things and there'll be obstacles. And I got to look, can I add to that situation? Can I help with that? People I heard, Pastor Steph, she preached up here last Sunday. Anybody think she did a good job? Okay. Here's the kind of pastors you have. We could just stick someone in B, kids. Just put somebody. We could guilt somebody into it for this Sunday. Because I even say that sometimes. You can get somebody. But I want someone that wants to be at the standard our kids deserve. That want to be there. That are called to be. And, and, and So we need an addition in the children's ministry. Or she could sit over here and cheer me on. Or maybe sing. But we got awesome singers. So what's she doing? She's going to a place to add something that needs to be added. So if you don't like the fact Pastor Steph's not singing more or up here more or teaching more, then maybe you need to pray about, can I go add something to take something off her so she can add? Well, I just wish they'd get this sound right. Well, I just wish we had 80 more thousand dollars. I can fix the sound. Lenny can run, he's running multi-million dollar sound systems. It's not a, can we fix it? You can only fix it according to what you have to work with, kind of like you and God. And me and God, I know, you're gonna say it, I know. It can be fixed, it takes money. I just wish, you know, they'd have a parking lot in better it, you can add to it, brother, sister. You, you see, here's the problem we get in in the kingdom. You know, we, we get treated bad at Walmart. We don't stop going to Walmart. We just go to a different Walmart. <laughs> kind of like church. I want to ask you, if you want to walk in the keys of the kingdom, and to walk in your authority as a king or queen of God, to dominate the place where your mind is, to dominate your health, to dominate your mind, to dominate your finances, to dominate in your family, to dominate in the kingdom of God, then, then, then maybe you need to change your focus, right? And recalibrate the way you judge things because we're going to get into that because there's a power. If you discern things wrongly, you don't get the right reward. Now, I'm not saying you left a church and you should never leave it. And I, there's people that left Bethel that needed to leave. Matter of fact, there's some left that I prayed out. <laughs> Believe me. 
and some wouldn't go, and I asked them to leave. Now, that hadn't been in 10 years, so it couldn't be. No, that was about 12. That was before we got in this building. I had to ask a family to leave. I didn't like it. I loved the family. But I said, you need at least for six months go try other places. If you can't respect me as your pastor and you're in semi-leadership causing problems with other leaders, I love you. You can either repent and accept me as the set man of this house or I'll help find you a church. They've been saved for 20 years. It shouldn't have been an issue. I'll help you find the place of ministry for you. I'll do whatever I can do for you. But, but you're just going to cause more harm to yourself because you're fighting God here. We're, we're here and we're staying and we're going to be here. So you can either humble yourself and come in the fold or you can find someone that you so-called can respect and go get all the R-E-S-P-E-C-T you think you need to get. And I probably should have done it more than one or, once or twice. Getting a little softer in my old age. Say, preacher, that's not the way to grow a church. Well, I'm not into growing numbers. I'm into growing kings and queens. See, if I can get the kings and queens bought in, there won't be any financial situation. If I can get the kings and queens, there won't be no problem adding to the community and bringing. I mean, Sister Kathy's a queen. I mean, two weeks ago, they fed 85. And then this past week, with the bad weather, people would never drive to church in that kind of weather, but 75 families came to get their food on that night. You see, the key question is not how big a church is. The key question is, if your church ended today, would your city, your community, miss it tomorrow? That's the question we got to ask ourselves. If our church is gone today, who will miss us tomorrow? I want to ask you, if you were absent, if you passed away and went on to heaven today, who would miss you? Those you're closest to, of course. But is there other people in the community? Is there other people in the kingdom? Are there, who would miss you? So I, I, I look around, and there's been times we've had double the people we have right now. And I like double, believe me, brothers and sisters. I like triple and quadruple, believe me. But I do know what God is doing and has done, and we're already growing again. But you know what he's doing? He doesn't make people leave. He just allows an obstacle to be presented. He don't cause it. He just allows it to be introduced. And they either take the bait or they bust through it. Well, you know, they said, uh, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, they did this or they said that. Well, do you know that? Well, no, I've served there, been great church for three years, but my God, if they're letting that go on in the church, well, what go on? Well, what sister so-and-so said, and she got it from brother blow and blow, and brother blow and blow got it from sister know-it-all and so-so. So so between them three, three, brother, three words together. That's the Lord. The Lord. Yeah, the little G, the little God of this earth, maybe, but my, my God. So, so, so I really want you, because we're going to dive into this this week, this next Sunday. We're going to dive in and heavy. I mean, we're going to get into the keys, the keys that you can unlock the gates. You can unlock the door. Because in Matthew 16, 18, we're getting ready to pray here, but in Matthew 16, 18, what is it? The gates of hell shall not prevail, right? 
against the church. God said, Jesus, I built my church on a rock. Gates of hell shall not prevail. What's saying? To give you keys to the kingdom of God. Here's the key. Can gates chase you down? No. They can't, can they? Gates are passive. So to prove that you're in God's will, when you bust through a gate of Jericho, there's people waiting to fight you there. So just because you have obstacles doesn't mean you're out of God's will. Maybe you need to give thanks and praise and say, woo, I'm right where I need to be. There's a fight. Let's do it. Because if I win, when I win this fight, I go to the next level. Next level, next devil, praise God. But when you go into the fight and know it's a fixed fight and you win, I mean, it would have stunk being Rocky if he'd lost and died at the end of the movie, but he kept doing sequels because he was the writer, the author, and the actor. He could write himself and do all that. Oh, he's bad. And then he comes out looking good with a new Camaro, all cool looking and a millionaire. I mean, you know, he looked like he is dead and had brain damage the rest of his life, and he's the hero. See, see no matter how bad it looks right now, listen, you're the hero. No, no matter how dark it looks, you're the hero. No matter how difficult it is, you're the hero. But if you see yourself as the zero, then you're going to get a zero's reward. And I'm not saying that to be rude. I'm just telling you the truth. And I want you to pray this week. Is this where I'm added? There may be some people you know it's added to this church and they're not going anywhere. They may not even be saved. You need to help get them at it. There may be some people that used to be part of this church and you believe they should be. Maybe you talk to them. I don't know. But the main thing is you've got to know for yourself, if I'm not at it here, I need to go find a place. That doesn't mean, well, I'm not at it because nobody shook my hand. Well, did you hold your hand out? I'm not at it because I signed up and didn't get a call. Well, maybe there was a glitch with the website that day. Maybe somebody was asleep and drool was coming off their mouth and they disobeyed and they were out of order and didn't call you. What does it matter? Check again. You're going to let someone else that miscalling you keep you out of your destiny. I'm smiling now. Well, they just don't do that ministry that I like doing. Well, maybe there's a new ministry that's going to be the greatest ministry of your life that you participate in. And if you would pray and agree and just get in and serve wherever there's opportunity to serve, you'd be in line. And when that ministry's birth, you'd be right there in the middle of the leadership. Maybe. Just saying. I just don't feel fulfilled when I leave church on Sunday. Well, maybe you had a leak when you came in. And you kept that leak when you went out. And you just keep on leaking. It's like pouring it in and leaking out. You should be the pastor for about a year. You, people, you get all built up and they got a leak, man. It's shh. Sometimes it's like a helium loop. They're gone. There'll be a big testimony. They're gone. Where'd they go? Disappeared. They were and they were not. So I ask you today, are you added to this place? And if you're not, maybe it's still opening. You're still trying. And I get it. Sometimes it takes some time to know if you're at it. You're praying about it. You're, you, need, you do need to know that. You need to pray. Maybe you need to come and talk to somebody. Maybe you do need to set up a time. Well, I just tried to get with you, Pastor, and I couldn't get with you. I'm busy. 
I've been traveling 12 days out of, what, 11 days out of 14 days. It wasn't fun. When I'm here, I'm meeting with people while I'm doing stuff. But if I meet with everybody, I'm robbing two or three other people of their calling to meet and minister to people. See, see, see it isn't all about getting me. So you may not want me. Certain things you probably don't want me on. So, so whenever we begin to get the revelation that we're added, then we can help fix things. We can help grow things. We can, we can put our shoulder behind things. We can, we can bring health and we can bring strength. I mean, you could just get on today. If we had 500 people just get on today and say, man, I, I, I love my church and my pastor. I've been at hashtag added to Bethel and I know it's God. You could do something like that and you could have 30,000 people if 500 of you did that. You'd have 30,000 people just say, they'd say, wow, what kind of church is that? Let me check that out. There, there's things you can do to add to the church. It doesn't even take an effort. There's neighbors you got. Do you know 85% of people that visited the church were invited? Now you can invite people through Facebook and, and Twitter and all different things. You don't even have to go talk to them. But where are you right now? If there's an emptiness and a void in you, all you got to do is get in the flow. Let me, I'm going to say this, then I'm going to pray. Do you know there's only one difference between a swamp and a river? A swamp, a flat area with water, that's shallow and it and it produces mosquitoes and disease and death. It's muddy. You can't really do anything with it. It's useless land, but it produces disease and viruses and stuff. And a river, what's it do? It flows. It gives life. It, it takes things places. It moves cargo. It, it has wildlife in it. It feeds. You can do little streams off it and feed crops and grow food. You can do all these things. You can feed a city with water and pour water out. You can do all these things. You can, you can have an energy plant from a river by the water flow. The only difference between a river and a swamp, a swamp has water going in and coming out. But the problem is a swamp has no banks, embankments. And because it has no embankments, it has no boundaries. And that's what the Bible says in Proverbs, right? Proverbs, I think 28 or wherever it is, where there is no uh, revelation, revealing, uncovering, or vision to people perish. They cast off all boundaries, all restraints. So what happens is when you're added to a place, get this and we're going to pray. When you're added to a place, you're in its flow. So if you add yourself to a dead swamp, that doesn't mean it's not God's will for you to be in that dead swamp. It just means you need to get to digging and supporting and doing whatever it takes to get embankments built and not complain about this place stinks and it's death. But if you're in a place with embankments, you add to it and you harvest out of it the life and you share it and you build tributaries and dig more embankments going different ways and you build tributaries and streams going to unwatered places and places that are diseased and dying. So in other words, when you're added to a real living, growing church, what happens is you get more life so you can give more. But if you want to live in a swamp, you could come to the river, but then go home to a swamp and you're still going to be miserable. It's your choice. It's your choice.